morning. It has such a powerful meaning in our lives. So God is going to speak his word here and our response should be a response of faith. Faith that has power over us. Psalm 57, starting in verse 1 through 3. If you don't have a Bible with you this morning, that's fine. It'll be on the screen behind me. This is what the psalmist says. Be merciful to me, O God. Be merciful to me. For in you my soul takes refuge. In the shadow of your wings I will take refuge till the storms of destruction pass by. I cry out to God most high, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. He will sin from heaven and save me. He will put to shame him who tramples on me. God will send out his steadfast love and his faithfulness. And then if you would turn to Acts chapter 8, verse 4. It's going to be just one verse out of the book of Acts this morning. Acts chapter 8, verse 4. And I'm going to give a little context later on in the sermon, but this is going to be an amazing verse for us this morning, an incredibly hopeful verse. Acts chapter 8, verse 4. It says, Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Amen. You may be seated at this time. May God bless the reading of his word this morning. So I just want to welcome you again this morning. It's already been a good, refreshing time for us in light of the storm. And I just want to say how I'm really, 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 really glad that you're here. It does feel like a family reunion of sorts this morning. And so I'm happy to see you guys. I'm glad that you're here. And if I may be honest, Hurricane Harvey good riddance. Amen. Like we're good riddance. We don't want you anymore. It's not us. It's you. Get out of here. Hopefully we don't have to experience something like that ever again in our lifetimes. It was crazy. I remember last Tuesday, um, I had no concept that anything was coming. I was here at the office at church, just working a little bit, getting ready for school, stuff like that. And I guess it was on the news, but I wasn't watching the news. But by Thursday, kind of the buzz had started, right? And it's sort of coming up on social media. You see it on Facebook and by Friday everybody's talking about it everybody's at Kroger just stashing up the waters right and I'm looking in my pantry I'm like man we got nothing so we just buy junk food you know cheez-its and gummy bears and gummy worms and we're just we're just ready with it right we're ready to to brace the storm and of course Saturday and Sunday and Monday were the worst of it and I'm sure y'all have your own storm stories I'm sure you've got stories of close calls and stories of neighbors helping neighbors and maybe for you a story of extreme personal loss, right? We've all been affected in some way by the storm. Everyone who comes in here has their own story. And yet, as I mentioned earlier, we all share the same story. We share the story of God pulling us through. We share the story of what happens next. And the world is watching our story. At least for right now, the world is watching what is happening in Houston, Texas, and we have the opportunity to play into and to shape that story. It's an amazing opportunity for us this morning. We have been through one of the most trying weeks of the year, and in the weeks to come are going to be some of the busiest weeks and busiest months of the year. And yet this morning, I think it's really, really good for us to just pause, right, and to reflect And to just worship God this morning. I believe it's good for us to pause and to worship him. And to sort of reflect on what we just went through, right? Because it seems sort of surreal. We're just sort of coping with it, right? This morning it's good for us to reflect. 
And trust me, right now on your Facebook feed, there are probably hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of needs that are popping up, right? And hundreds of requests for donations and for needs and for service. And all those things are going to be there after the service. And trust me, we're going to do everything that we can to try to meet those needs. And yet I think it's good for us to just pause for one hour and to just sort of refresh our own hearts to be reminded of God's goodness because I think right now we need God's power and God's love more than any other time, right? We need it now more than ever. So it's good for us to be together this morning. Disaster can be disorienting, right? I was, th- I was kind of reflecting on this earlier this week. Disaster can be really disorienting. So whether it's a storm or whether it's a personal tragedy in your life or whether it's turmoil or a loss of a job, whatever it is, there are things that happen in life that are very disorienting. They cause us to sort of grapple with our faith and sort of try to to figure out what does it look like for me to respond in faith in this situation when it doesn't look like God is going to come through disaster can be disorienting. And I'm sure some of you have come in here and maybe you're like me and you weren't super personally affected by the storm. We are very blessed to not have our household flooded too much. And I'm sure you may be like me, but there are others who are coming in here who have family members who are flooded and you've been, you know, like waist deep in water trying to help them. Or maybe you personally were uh, flooded out and this is a time of personal loss for you. Disaster can be really disorienting. And we all come in here with these stories. So this morning, what I want to try to do is offer a hopeful, biblical outlook for us in response to the storm. And I've entitled it, How to Thrive in the Aftermath. Because I think right now we're in survival mode, right? We're just in survival mode. We're trying to restock the kitchens. We're trying to help people tear out things in their houses. We're in survival mode. And yet what I think what God wants for us in this time is to thrive. The people of God throughout history have thrived in the midst of suffering. And we can do that because the unique vantage, the unique advantage of the Christian is that we can be joyful in all circumstances, right? That our joy is not tied to circumstances. That in fact we have the gospel inside of us. We have the love of God inside of us, which means that it's not tied to our car and it's not tied to our house and it's not tied to any other form of security that we think we have. But instead the gospel is in us, so our joy goes wherever we go. This morning I believe that we can thrive in response to the storm. And we're going to talk about how to do that from a biblical outlook. So as we pause and reflect this morning, you may be coming to God with a couple of questions, right? Maybe your question is, why me and not someone else? Maybe your question is, why now? It's a really inconvenient time to have a hurricane, right? I mean, we, we had all of our plans and it feels like this sort of sidetracked our plans, no matter how much you were affected. Maybe you're asking, why now? Or where was God in the storm? And if that's you this morning, I want you to know that the Bible invites you to wrestle with the implications of disaster. That the Bible invites us to ask hard questions of God this morning. That he is not afraid of our hard questions and he's not afraid of our wondering what was this all about. If you were personally affected or if you know someone who is affected, it's good for us to reflect and to ponder And to even wrestle and grapple with what does faith look like in response to the storm. And if you're asking these types of questions or if you know someone who's asking these type of questions, you're in good company. 
The people of God throughout history have been asking these types of questions. Good, honest, faithful people have been asking why certain circumstances have come into their, into their life. And so if that's you this morning, you're in good company. Let me give you a few examples from God's word of people who struggled and wrestled with being faithful in the midst of hard times. Look at Psalm verse, uh, chapter 22, verse 1. This is what it says. It says, my God, my God, the psalmist prays, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? And then in Judges chapter 6, starting in verse 13, this is from the Old Testament. And so the people of God were surrounded by enemies all around, right? People who wanted to pillage their towns, burn them down, kidnap people and take them all out. And God goes to a man and says, hey, I'm going to use you to rescue the people. And instead of responding in faith, this is how he sort of responds. Why then has all this happened to us? And where are all of God's wonderful deeds that our father recounted to us, saying, did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? And the last example in Mark chapter 4, verse 36, it's a story you probably know pretty well. It's the story of Jesus going with his disciples in a boat, and they go out onto the water, and a storm begins to emerge, a storm that actually threatens the boat, and it threatens all of them drowning, and Jesus is chilling in the bottom, sleeping, right? And this is how the story goes, starting in verse 36 of Mark chapter 4. It says, And leaving the crowd, they took Jesus with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. So you get the story right. The storm has come. Water's flooding into the boat. And it says the disciples looked for Jesus, and it says, But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him, and let me see if this resonates with you. They said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Do you not care that we are perishing? The Bible invites you to wrestle with the implications of disaster. That God intends for hard times in our lives to drive us toward him and not away from him. To drive us to go to the Bible and see, do we really believe God's promises for our lives? Or was it just a cliche? Was it just a front? These are the things that these these times of times bring up in us. And so I can't answer the question, why God allows huge storms to happen. I can't answer that question. But the the question that I can answer is, what does God do in these things? And how does he shape us as a result of those things for our good? So this morning, if you're asking those types of questions, I kind of want to leave you with this thought. Upheaval unveils God and builds your faith. Upheaval and turmoil and hard times and disaster brings about the unveiling of God and it builds your faith. So what I mean by that is there is a sense in which when our lives are going just normally perfect, right? And we're living pretty content. It seems like our need for God or our perceived need for God goes way down. We feel secure. We feel content. We feel like, you know, we have a job that's secure and we have a bank account. And I feel like our need for God goes down. But I'll tell you, in times like this, does our need for God, our perceived need for God, does it not just go way up? I can recall, I think it was Saturday night was the worst of the storm, right? That's when it was really coming down. I remember it was about 12 o'clock at night, right? And the waters had come up to um, uh, the front of our household, as it did for many of you guys. It was right up on the doorstep. And there was a sense in which we thought, it's going to come into the house. 
Like, there's nothing we can do to stop this, right? And so we had that thought. I remember uh, my brother-in-law, he has, like, little sandbags. I remember we we put sandbags in front of the door as if we were going to stop Hurricane Harvey, Category 4, right? We we were going to put sandbags in front of the door. And yet there was a moment when we thought, man, we're going to have to lift stuff off the ground. Like, this is going to happen. And while we did get some in the garage, I remember we just had to go to God in prayer, That's literally the only thing that we could do, which is pray to God to have mercy, right? And for some of us, we were able to avoid some of the flood and others were harder hit. But I remember in that moment that my need for God, I knew that I needed him in that moment. That as strong as I thought I was, as, as secure as I thought I was, I could not stop Hurricane Harvey. I'm just one man. And yet we have to go to God in times like these. Upheaval in your life unveils God sort of removes the blinders a little bit and causes you to see him more clearly. Look at Psalm uh, chapter 57, starting in verse 1, going back to our text. Um, And this is what the psalmist prays. He was going through a hard time. We know a little bit about what he was going through, but it's left a little vague so that we can relate to it. And this is what it says in verse 1. It says, be merciful to me, O God, be merciful to me, for in you my soul takes refuge. In the shadow of your wings, I will take refuge till the storms of destruction pass by. Does this not sound like a man in distress, right? This is a man who's in distress, who's at his last whim. He's exhausted all of his resources, and he goes to God and says, God, be merciful to me. I throw myself on your mercy. And during this time, look at what happens when he goes to God in faith. Look at verses 2 and 3. He says, I cry out to God most high, to God who what? Who fulfills his purpose for me. He will sin from heaven and save me. He will put to shame him who tramples on me. God will send out his steadfast love and his faithfulness. When you go to God in prayer during hard times, as a result of that, faith is enlarged. There's a sense in which faith is grown in the valleys. And so for us as a church and for you individually, this is a time of not only Houston rebuilding, but of faith rebuilding in your life. And I encourage you to use it as a time to build your faith in God, to be like the psalmist and trust that God will fulfill his purpose in your life, that God will send out a steadfast love and his faithfulness. We get so, so secure in all these different things, in our, in our strength, in our looks, in our ability to speak, or maybe in our job, and yet a hurricane comes and it brings an entire city to its knees, right? I mean, it brought an entire city of four million people to a grinding halt. All the things that we had built, all the plans that we had made brought down in an instant and were brought down to our knees, Christians can thrive in uncertainty because Christians have faith in a good God. Christians can thrive when we don't know the future because we know that these times are opportunities for faith building. And if I may be blunt, these are times when our faith becomes more than a cliché. Like we like to say that often, right? We like to say we walk by faith and not by sight, and yet very often we don't really have to walk by faith. Right? I mean, we're secure enough. We walk a little bit by faith, but we sort of have our five-year plan and stuff like that. But during times like this, we truly must walk 
in faith. And that is what God intends for us. And so if you're here this morning and you were personally affected by the storm, or maybe even before the storm, you were going through a time of turmoil in your life and the storm is just adding insult to misery, this is what I want to leave to you here this morning. God is never sidetracked. He just doesn't move in a straight line. God's purpose for your life and God's purpose for this world and God's purpose for this city is never sidetracked. He just doesn't move in a straight line. And the quicker that we can understand and the quicker that we can embrace that chaos in our life, the more joyful and the happier we're going to be. Because if you start the Christian life and you think it's going to be point A to point B and that's just going to be it, all uphill from there, you're in for some disappointment, right? Because God is going to take you to point A and then point M and then point B and then point Q and then point T. And he's going to take you all around through life to build your faith, to build your sanctification, to build your holiness. And that's how God works. The quicker we realize that and the quicker we embrace the uncertainty in faith, the happier we're going to be. Look with me to Acts chapter 8 verse 4. And uh, if you actually mark in your Bible, I don't do that, I, I hate to do that, but if you do that, um, feel free to underline, uh, I just, I, it just bleeds through sometimes, you know, and then it's on the other side. But if you mark in your Bible, I, I really encourage you to underline this verse, put a star next to it, highlight it, do whatever you can, because it is an amazing, hopeful verse. Let me put a little context to it first. So after Jesus died and rose from the grave and ascended into heaven, um, the gospel got preached and a lot of people began to follow Jesus in the way of Jesus. And this was all in the church of Jerusalem back in the early days of the church. And the church was growing, right? But there were people who didn't like the way of Jesus and so they started persecuting the church. They started dragging people out, actually killing people for following Jesus. And that's where uh, Acts chapter 8 verse 4 comes up. It says, those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. So it's a sense in which the people, the followers of Jesus, the followers of God who were living in Jerusalem ended up getting scattered about into different cities and got uprooted from their homes and uprooted from the lives that they knew. And yet look what it says. It says they preached the word wherever they went. They embodied the love and the joy of God in their lives regardless of their circumstances. We have much to learn from these people. So I don't know if that's you this morning. I don't know if this word would define you this morning. Maybe this morning you feel scattered. Do you want to feel scattered this morning? Do you want to feel like their life is in upheaval? Maybe even before the storm, just going through hard times, it's easy for us to feel scattered in life. And yet the hopeful part of this verse is that we can preach the word. We can embody the love of Jesus regardless of where we're at. Let me give you a quick illustration, and I'll probably throw it up here on the screen. Hope you can see it. Um, I don't know if you've seen this before, but I really love this comic strip. So your plan is on top. Your plan for your life, and you're the little person on the bicycle, and you're going from A to Z, and there's the uh, finish line at the end. And then the bottom rung is uh, God's plan for your life, right? So you can see you've got the rocks you got to go through, and you've got this like ladder thing. And I guess right now we're in the boat. That's us right now on the path. We're, we're about halfway through, so be excited about that. Uh, but then after that, you got to climb up this is God's plan for our life that a lot of times God's plan for your life is not how you would expect or intend it but amazing amazing things can come out of that I think we're seeing that right now as a response to the storm that amazing things are coming out of this storm and so very quickly here at the end what I want to do is just talk very quickly about our response to the storm 
What is the biblical response to the storm? And this is my first thought. Don't just see God in the storm. Embody him in your response. It's very easy to see God in the midst of the storm, to see how big God is, to see how amazing it is, how he can bring a whole city to its knees. And we see that because we're followers of God. But there are people out in Houston who don't see that. And so the only God that they're going to see is in our response to their tragedy. That the only God they're going to see is our love and our response to what's happening in their lives. I said that upheaval unveils God, but upheaval also unveils the church. I read an article, um, and I forgot which blog it was from, but some blog. But basically they were saying Houston is being taken care of because neighbors are helping neighbors and because churches are rising up and serving in their community. That's what God wants us to do this morning. Very quick verse, John chapter 13, verse 35. It says, by this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. I feel like in a sense, losing our security was kind of good for us, right? I think we were getting a little too content, a little too secure. And I think in the midst of this storm, it reminds us of why we exist as a church at the corner of this street in the middle of Oak Forest, Garden Oaks, Greater Heights. The reason that we are here is to embody the love of God in our community. God calls us to be a city on a hill. He calls us to be salt and light. And if you go back to Psalm chapter 57, it said that God will send his love and faithfulness out. Well, guess what? A lot of times God's love and faithfulness is in us going out to our community. We are the response to that prayer. That's how God works in the church age. We are God's love and we are God's faithfulness to these people. And so just very quickly, I, I know that we've all seen tips on how to help people. And we're going to talk a little bit about how we as a church are serving. And Pastor John's going to talk like that. But, man, I've seen some really creative ways that people are responding in love to others. And one of them, I, I never would have thought about this, but, like, doing people's laundry. Like, can you believe, I mean, that's, like, that's a way that you can serve people is, like, do their laundry. And it makes sense, right? They're busy. They've gotten their house. Maybe they don't have it anymore. That's one way to serve people. Another very easy one that I saw was, like, you just go by with food. You find people working and you just go by with like food and drinks and you just come. These are the types of things that people remember over the course of their lives. And it's just been amazing as others have shared to see neighbors helping neighbors. Literally people just driving down the road saying, hey, you guys need some help? That is amazing. And we've never seen that before, probably in the city, at least since I've been alive. It is an amazing time here in response to the storm. And yet my encouragement for us this morning as we draw to a close, my encouragement for us is that we know that in the midst of tragedy right afterward, the national spotlight is on us, right? The news is covering it. Everyone's passionate. Everyone's excited. Everyone's giving. And yet what happens after a while passes after tragedy? People begin to not be as passionate, right? And the news media goes on to the next tragedy, right? Or to whatever else is going on. And yet we're still going to be here. We're still going to be at this corner and we're still going to be serving the people. And I believe that God will carry us on in love farther than others as long as we keep the love of Jesus Christ in our hearts this morning and in the weeks and in the months to come. I encourage you to continue on in faith. And then the last thought that I want to leave you all with this morning is hope and pray for a gospel awakening in the wake of the storm. 
hope and pray for a gospel awakening in the wake of the storm. God is never sidetracked in his mission. And God's ultimate mission is to display his love in the person and work of Jesus Christ on the cross. And I was talking to Pastor John earlier, and he was just saying how in the midst of the storm, it's so easy to see that we need God, and yet now it feels like we're working a little bit in our own strength, right? And so my prayer for us is that we would continue to pray for the power and the work of God to be brought about in our community, not in our own power, but in the power of Jesus Christ. We are called to be salt and light, and we are called to impact our community We don't need a storm to love the people around us. And so in the weeks and the months to come, I pray that we would embody a gospel awakening in our community. Pray for the power of God, for people to be drawn up into the love of Jesus Christ during this season where they've lost everything else. Pray that they would come and believe in the gospel and receive the love of God. And just lastly, before I pray for us this morning, just on a pastoral note, I just want you to know that we are here for you. And if you have gone through like personal loss, if you've got things that are going on, we want to pray with you. But we like want to physically and literally come around you and serve you in our community. So if you've got something going on as a result of the storm or something even beyond the storm or something completely different, we are here for you. And we want to come around you and we want to love and serve you. We're a local church and we love you. And I'm glad that you're here this morning to receive the grace of God into your life. So now at this time, I invite you to bow bow your heads with me. And I just want us to pray as a church for um, just the response to the storm. I said before that the world is watching how we're going to respond to this tragedy. And I pray that we as a church would offer up what we only can give. There's a lot of good businesses in our neighborhood that are offering different things. There are different shelters. But what we can offer as a church is a renewed hope in the gospel. So I want to pray for us for that, that we would not only be the hands and feet of Jesus in our community, but that we would also be the voice of the gospel in our community. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning just so hopeful. Some of us come here this morning and we have lost everything. Some of us are coming here this morning and we're tired and we're exhausted and we're not sure what to do next, Lord. And we just pray for your wisdom and guidance in this time. I pray that love would be born out of the season. That people would recognize that we are your followers by our love for one another in this community, taking care of one another, but also uh, in the neighborhoods that surround us. Forgive us of our sins, Lord, and help us to walk in the holiness of new life. And I just pray that we would believe every single day that we have hope in the gospel, that we've been washed clean by the love and blood of Jesus Christ, so that we can serve our community in the way that you want us to. We love you, and it's in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit that we pray. Amen.